My name is Kitty Hudson Colley. I'm a member of this congregation, and I usually go to first service if you don't recognize me at all. I, I'm a first servicer, and I am grateful to be a guest in the pulpit this day on the Sunday before Earth Day. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. The United Methodist Church keeps this phrase front and center, especially the Davis United Methodist Church does. Open hearts, open minds, open doors. It is hard to do, but we give it our best shot because we are passionate about being an inclusive community. I have a diagram I want to show you that focuses on hearts and minds and how we each open ourselves to God. And at this point, I feel like a teacher like I am. I, I do teach. The diagram has two axes. The heart-mind axis follows, uh, uh, focuses on our relationship with God, how we communicate most easily with God. For some, it is mainly through their intellect and their reasoning. For others, it is through their heart and their feelings. This axis is about how we tune into God, to Jesus, or to the Spirit in our lives. At any time, we can be anywhere along the axis, but each of us also has our own comfortable, um, natural comfort zone. The horizontal axis is the mystery revelation axis. It's about how people tend to believe God works in the world. For those who see with the eyes of mystery, God's actions are beyond our understanding. Poetry is the language of mystics. When you think mystery, think of Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. The other end of the axis represents those who see God with the eyes of revelation. They are clear that God works in the world through kind, generous, courageous acts done by people. It is God dwelling in each of us, using our hands to do the work of God on this earth. Think of Jesus again, and how he said, Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick, and visit the prisoners. I'm usually right about here myself, let's see, right about in that area. I hear and respond to God most easily through my heart and my feelings. And I believe God works in ways far beyond my understanding. But I also believe God uses my hands to do some of the work. If we had time this morning and we could collect from everyone where you think you are and put it up here on this sphere, I think we would have a very interesting scattergram. And it would tell us a lot about ourselves as a congregation together. But we don't have time. But maybe sometime in the future. Since I'm an unknown quantity for some here today, 
I'd like to give you a little context and share something about my life as it is right now. One of the big things I live with is that my husband, Mike, was diagnosed with dementia four years ago. The big impact of this diagnosis has been on Mike because it is his life that is being impacted so much. But as his primary caregiver, I also have been affected by it, and it is my experience that I will speak of today. I consider myself a fortunate woman. I have a deep, rich relationship with God. I have generous and faithful friends and family. I've got an interesting job that lets me do the definite benefit. So I can usually leave work around mid-afternoon, and I can flex my schedule when Mike and I need to go to health care appointments. On another level, I also consider myself fortunate in that I am an optimist. I love the idea of potential. Our potential is clay in God's good hands. Our potential to make God's kingdom more and more visible on this earth. I believe with my entire soul that God wants to be known. And I believe God is passionate enough about each one of us to go to extremes to help us know and experience for ourselves God's love. For example... I think this morning's scripture from Acts that Lisa read to us shows God's willingness to go to extremes to get someone's attention. For all the love and commitment that Saul had in his heart toward God, God knew as Saul stormed down that road to Damascus that Saul had God in a box. And his eyes were not able to see that God was actually doing something very new in the world at that very point in time. The Creator God, who knows us better than we know ourselves, also knew that Saul had what it was going to take to move the newborn church forward through that time in history. For God's own purpose, God really needed to get Saul's attention. And as we read the story, God helped him to see through new eyes. The story I want to tell you today is nowhere near as extreme as Saul's. I don't know what God has in mind for me in my life as it plays out in this time in history. Not a clue. But I do know God got my attention in a new way last year in October. In October, it dawned on me that I had been living a fairly painful life in the years since my husband's diagnosis. And I needed God pretty badly. While I actively focused on my blessings, like peace in our home, And the simple routine we had as compared to the frantic, you know, having to run everywhere and do everything. We had definite peace of a simple routine that we followed each day and still do. 
So even though I was focusing on my blessings, that four-year mark, it really got under my skin. I became increasingly aware that the mantle on my shoulders as caregiver was heavy, getting heavier, and it showed no time, no, no sign that it would be lifting anytime soon. I became excruciatingly clear and overwhelmingly sad, and I know this is harsh given that I am not even the one with the disease. But I became overwhelmingly sad that my life had been put on hold. I lost hope that my life mattered for anything in the scheme of things. Psalm 13 was my prayer. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? In early November, God responded to me. And I do know, I'm going out on a limb here saying that I think God was talking to me. But I feel it's important to tell you my real story. I was driving from Sacramento to Davis. Across the causeway, the same road that I had traveled since I left home 37 years ago to go to UCD as a freshman. As usual, cars were flying along beside me. I glanced over and noticed the causeway um, wetlands to my left. As usual, I pulled my eyes back to the road. But on this trip across the causeway, a tug of war started. Road, wetlands, road, wetlands. Road. I started asking myself, what is out there? I was headed home. I had lots of things to do, but my wondering took over. I neared the end of the causeway, moved into the right lane, and pulled off at the exit. It looked like this. Then there was, as I went around, there was the underpass. Then, the YOLO wildlife area sign. Then, the turnoff. And it signs. And swooping down into the wetlands themselves. And following sign after sign. Out to, um, out to parking lot B. Which is where... I mean, I'm just guessing as I'm going along. I'm not even sure which, which arrow I'm supposed to be following. But I, this is where I landed. I sat there in my car looking around me with the windows up. Then I got brave and I thought, what? well, why not? Maybe I should feel the air out here. So I rolled my windows down. And then I got to thinking, if I really wanted to experience this place, it was not enough to just roll the windows down. I needed to get out of the car. And as I climbed out, I noticed that the buzz of the causeway was gone. The road, the causeway, I-80, was just over there a little ways, but I couldn't even hear it. Instead, there was something like a pulse from the water and the breeze and the sun and the light all interacting and creating this alive, connected feeling. It was full of peace and vibrancy. 
I turned around 360 degrees. Literally, I turned around 360 degrees. Sacramento was to the east. Somewhere out there, Diablo was out to the south. The coastal range was on the other side of this uh, mound of dirt. And the causeway was to the north in the distance with cars and trucks moving across it. An Amtrak train headed towards Sacramento. This felt like another world. Being there, I felt light and hopeful and so amazed. This had been in sight, but completely separate from my life as I drove by it for all those 37 years. As I stood there that day in October, I felt my world expanding. I had a very clear sense that God was pleased that I had followed that voice in my head, or had it been in my heart. Please, please remember, I had become quite overwhelmed by my situation at home with the lack of control in my life and the loss of hope. It felt wonderful to experience this new place, full of beauty and vitality. I was so hungry for the lightness I felt out there that I didn't just go out to the wetlands that one day. I went out several times in November with Mike a few times and once with a buddy who, like me, enjoys discovery. My friend hadn't ever explored the wetlands either, but she was knowledgeable about the Yolo Basin Group that was leading collaborative efforts intent on restoring the wetlands. They had worked since 1990 to reestablish a flyway for migratory birds. I know from my job how hard it is to get people to work well together. And in this case, it meant folks like hunters and environmentalists finding common ground. The story behind this place is powerful. These people have been doing the heavy lifting of environmental restoration for over 20 years. These dedicated, gosh, it makes me, my throat kind of close in because when I think about them. These dedicated, future-thinking people have made a place where creation is honored. The wetlands are an extraordinary accomplishment on many levels. Back to my story. The end of November was filled with turbulent storms. You might remember after Thanksgiving, it was crazy rain here in town. On November 30th, a Friday afternoon at 3 p.m., and I knew it was 3 because I was watching for this, there was a break in the storm system. I left work and drove east along the frontage road with a digital camera intent on capturing images of God in the wetlands. God met me, alive in the waving grasses, in the magical light, in the gusting wind, in the clouds that danced across the sky. I had an amazing photo shoot. It was absolutely fun. When I downloaded the images to my computer, There were dozens of shots from so many angles, so many directions, 
so alive and so much life. I was delighted. I turned the images into note cards and gave them as Christmas presents from my heart. It felt like the gift I was giving were my own glimpses of God. Not that I mentioned that to anyone when I gave them the cards. Christmas came, Christmas went, like it usually does. I continue to go on photo shoots and out on the wetlands. But it is as is true for most of life's exciting moments, my daily routine returned. Every day, I still serve my loving husband to the best of my ability. I also continue to take care of myself, especially being careful when I begin to feel sad. What I do to take care of myself comes from that experience of seeing God on the wetlands. I pay attention to all sorts of places and people and things that I feel connected to. There's something about feeling a connection that makes me feel alive. And I really need to feel alive now. Here's some examples of what I mean. This oak stands in East Davis. During the day, it stands sentinel in my mind over the students at Korematsu Elementary School. Imagine standing under this tree with its roots spreading out beneath you, the trunk thick and strong, and the limbs lifting to the sky. Or, sometimes when I drive home, I choose to drive by Estelle and John Jones's home. The colors absolutely make me feel alive. Or, there's Eleanor Roosevelt's circle in East Davis. I think of our own Bill Powell, when I drive by it because he was one of many who helped build it. Back in 2005, it was an empty, weed-filled lot and now it is low-income housing for our senior citizens. When I drive past all things right and relevant, I think of Rosa and the way she commits some of her time to help this earth-friendly organization which gives our community a place to reuse reusable clothing. I also think of other people who give us opportunities to connect with the earth and each other, like Jim Cramer. This was mid-hike on one of his annual wildflower walks. If you have a chance to go on one, please take him up. Others express God's character in their art, like my mom has done in this quilt she just finished. I I will share, mom turned, I think mom was at 88 uh, a couple months ago. She just finished this quilt. She loves to create complicated, beautiful things. Just, let me add, like God does. And then there's a friend who sent me this picture, saying that it always makes her smile. And I'll tell you, whenever I see it, I think of her, and that makes me smile. There are examples, these are examples of the kinds of things that I tune into as I drive around town or when I think of people that I know. They make me turn my eyes toward God and say thanks. I don't mean to be a Pollyanna. I know there is a lot of awful stuff 
in the world. But for me, at this time in my life, I have been given permission to look around for the good stuff in order to keep my personal darkness at bay. It is seeing the good that feeds my soul. I'd like to finish my talk by sharing a slideshow with you. Another slideshow, not this one. You don't have to see this one again. And it's set to music and has all sorts of images where I see God. Um, And I, I would say, in my heart, oh, gosh, I would love to see what other people would come up with if they had their own slideshow of where do they see God. But... You get to see mine today, and um, while I took many of the pictures in the show, others were generously shared with me by Kathy Shinsky, Susan Padgett, Bill Powell, and Janice Moran. The music that goes with the slides is a song called Open the Eyes of My Heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing, holy, holy, holy. From me to you, seeing God through new eyes. <laughs>